Hello, welcome to Genuine Admissions. This is Amy Thompson, and I'm the Dean of Enrollment at Loomis Chafee. And I'm very excited today to welcome to our podcast two of my colleagues and good friends, Tim Lawrence and Andrew Matlack. Tim is our Director of Studies at Loomis Chafee, and Andrew is our Dean of Faculty. And we go way back, Tim and Andrew and I, in fact, uh, when I first came to Loomis Chafee back in 2007, I was actually replacing Tim in the college office at Loomis, and our roles have changed a little bit since that time. Um, for one, we are, hey, we are currently Loomis parents as well as being colleagues, and uh, at that time, I also had the opportunity to interact with Andrew as a member of our math department and a coach and through the residential life program. And so it's just wonderful to have the two of them here today to talk specifically about the academic program within their roles. They know more about the academic program at Loomis, I would say, than anyone else at the school. And so we're really I'm happy to have an opportunity to delve in pretty deeply today to the academic program. So welcome, Tim, and welcome, Andrew. Thank you. Thanks, Amy. Okay, so first, um, I'd love to just have you introduce yourselves a little bit in your own words and just talk a little bit about the various roles you've had on campus. Um, and then we'll get into some questions about the academic program. Tim, you want to start? Sure. Uh, it's nice to be speaking to you all. Uh, Amy asked me to talk about, for starters, how long I've been here, which is one of those comeuppance moments for ourselves. This is my 25th year at the school. I had to think about it. Over that time, I started in the college guidance office after having uh, begun as a professional doing college admissions work beforehand, like so many college admissions, uh, college guidance officers do. Uh, so I was 10 years in that office, and I was an affiliate in a dorm for 13 years and the advisor to the student newspaper for a dozen years. And then I moved over to the academic office uh, first as the Associate Director of Studies while still having one foot in the door in the college office because I was having too much fun there. Mm -hmm. They couldn't keep me out. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, started teaching in the English department and became Director of Studies uh, along the way. Um, I'm now living in Howe Hall, which has been great for me and my family, especially because my older son graduated uh, just over a year ago from Loomis and he's happily in college now, and my younger son is uh, a freshman this year. And so being in the dorm and on the center of campus has been really fantastic for us, especially for our younger son as he starts out and has his feet firmly planted on campus in a very different way. Excellent, thank you, Tim. Andrew? Thanks. Uh, this is my 19th year at Loomis Chafee, and I started my career here uh, as a triple threat teacher, which meant uh, teaching all levels of mathematics, uh, coaching, soccer, and track and field. And then I moved into becoming the department head of mathematics, which I did for five years. And finally, most recently, I was the associate dean of faculty and now dean of faculty uh, on the administrative side of things. I live on campus with my wife, who is the actually Marley Matlack, the Alvord Center for Global and Environmental Studies director. Uh, and our little kids, they're seven and five. Uh, and I'm excited to talk to you today. Excellent, thank you. So um, I think one of the first questions that sometimes people have when they hear from people like you is, first of all, what does a director of studies do? And what does a dean of faculty do? So I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind just addressing those two questions. Sure, the director of studies, along with the associate director of studies, 
works with students primarily, but then also with families and faculty and everyone else here in our community on the uh, progression of students through our academic program and creating that academic program, watching and wandering with students through their programs to see how they do and to support them in that doing. And so there's a lot of work where my colleague Bob DeConnick and I each split the school. There's a lot of work directly with students. We each have uh, two class years that we work with throughout their time at Loomis, which is really quite excellent, actually. We're able to get to know students and their families over however many years they're here uh, over the course of that time and work with them in their developing program of studies. And we answer a lot of questions that families and students have but do a lot of direct work in looking at the strength of students' program, their experiences, how to make their experiences better along the way, and how we can help to develop further offerings that deepen their experience along the way. So there's a lot of oversight in that sense, but a lot of direct work with students and families, um, and uh, in great ways with our colleagues and other administrators. We often talk about uh, that it takes the entirety uh, of our uh, community uh, to make the school work, to make the school run, and that no one does things alone. I think that's true of the student experience. It's certainly true of our administrative and teaching experience, uh, that we are very quick to reach out to one another to think and talk about how we can make things better. And I know that one of the people who you, whom you work with the most is Andrew. That's right. Um, and so, Andrew, you want to talk a little bit about what a dean of faculty actually does? Absolutely. Uh, so I'll start with with the thing that is not unique to that role, and but I neglected to mention it earlier, and that's that I teach uh, CL Calculus AB. It's a big part of what I do. It grounds me in the academic program and teaching every day. And I know Tim and I both really value uh, being full, uh, being mm -hmm. teachers of full classes as well. But I, I have the privilege of working with Adnan Rubai, who's the Associate uh, Direct, uh, Dean of Faculty. And the two of us are at completely immersed in the world of, of faculty, right? We are, our job is to bring in the best, the brightest, the most dynamic faculty we can. And so hiring is a really big part of what we do. Mm -hmm. um, uh, a second thing that we do is we wanna make Loomis Chafee a great place to work. It is a great place to work, but if we set up a school that that is uh, challenging in the right ways, dynamic in the right ways, and gives faculty the autonomy to do the work they can do, they are gonna love it here and they're gonna to wanna to stay a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And so part of that is that we, we set up um, PD opportunities, professional development opportunities, and we nudge people to continue to grow and mentor them along their path to becoming the teachers they can be. Uh, so that's a, a big part of what we do in the office. Um, and I will also mention just a way to sort of um, think about what Tim and I do are the director of directors of studies, the dean of faculty, and the associate head of school for internal affairs, who's Webb Trenchard, not here. Uh, the three, the, all of our offices work very closely together um, on academic policy, on program, on personnel. But uh, Tim and and the director of studies are student uh, focused mostly. Adnan and I are faculty focused mostly. And then Webb is program-focused mm -hmm. mostly. But the three of us work together closely on all those affairs. 
Yeah, I love those descriptions. Thank you. Because when we talk about, you know, this podcast is titled The Academic Program, right? And there's so many different nuances and elements of the academic program at Loomis, whether it's student-driven or faculty-driven or both. And one of the things that we talk about when we talk about the academic program at Loomis is the fact that it is one that's structured in nature, but it also has flexibility in nature. And I would love it if you could address a little bit about that in the podcast and what we mean by that when we talk about that kind of dichotomy or that balance between structure and individuality. Um, Tim, would you mind talking about that? I'm happy to jump in on this because this is something that we get excited about Andrew and I and and take a lot of pride in our students and our faculty and our and our school because the structure that is there is that we are responsible as a college preparatory school to have diploma requirements that prepare students to go anywhere and to have this great foundation from which they can fly Mm -hmm. and yet that is not so prescriptive or so limiting in any way that stops us from exercising growth and coming up with really great corners of the curriculum that students can explore and that we and our faculty get excited about exploring as well. And so while it's pretty easy for me to say, like other schools of our ilk, we have diploma requirements across the core subjects Mm -hmm. in our diploma requirements, I can also say that we have things like a philosophy, psychology, and religious studies requirement, which is unusual. Mm -hmm. It's not something that um, many of our peer schools have to the depth that we do Mm -hmm. and that we think is important. It's part of the founding of the school to have that be uh, part. It's the ethos of our academic program to be exploring and thinking about those areas and to feel responsible for being somewhat knowledgeable. Uh, We also have a great arts requirement where students who enter as ninth graders do three arts courses of any type. Students who enter after ninth grade will do two or more depending on what they fit in. And we've also been able to create structure in terms of how many courses a student will take at a time so that we are ensuring that students are busy enough, but we're also looking at whether they become too busy. I think often as we're working with really ambitious and skilled and able students, their tendency is to want to fill every nook and cranny of their spare time. And we also want them to be kids. This is a school community and there needs to be balance in that sense. And so when I think about structure and flexibility, it's also about that larger balance that we want students to understand so that they can be healthy and well and happy, but also pushing themselves really hard at the same time. And so when a student knows that they can take as many as five and a half courses in a full program here, and then some additional um, kind of signature items of our program, like our seminar series that we can come back to, we know that they are touching on so many of the necessary skills to be deeper thinkers, stronger writers. Writing is a really strong program here. Uh, But also to feel confident that they can hit on great foundational aspects that make a well-educated person, but also to deepen their understandings in areas that they get fired up about. Mm -hmm. And that is where we can come back and talk about those specifics within different departments. But we offer a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the chance for exploration uh, for students, we feel, um, works ex- exceedingly well. Absolutely. And I'll just add a, a couple things there. I uh, completely agree with Tim. And one of the exciting things is that choice starts very early. You don't have to wade through two or three years of requirements before you get freedom and choice. Uh, In the sophomore year, you can choose between philosophy classes, you can take economics courses. We have a great program in the Phi that allows students to take computer science courses and courses that train them to be uh, 
have the robust skills to do design thinking, mm-hmm. uh, to make things. Uh, we have really just a very exciting set of courses that are available to students and give them the freedom and the choice uh, at an early age, um, at an early stage in their career. Another uh, thing that I think is special about our program is that our courses and our course design is strongly influenced by our centers, Mm -hmm. right? So one thing we can touch on is our uh, Alvord Global and Mm -hmm. Environmental Studies Mm -hmm. program, which our students can elect to take a suite of courses that are uh, allow them to have a set of skills and knowledge uh, that make them global citizens. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they can opt into that program uh, and that's a choice that they can start mm-hmm. making in the sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I just have to say on a personal note about that, I actually just had a conversation last week with my daughter who's a sophomore in college who met with her college advisor to talk about what she might want to choose as a major, and she doesn't know what she wants to choose as a major, but she told her advisor that the most inspiring and exciting academic work that she's done has been her pursuit of the GESC at Loomis Chafee and how, and he was asking her, what was it about that program that, that made her think about the world in a different way that then might impact what she might want to do in college and beyond. And the fact that that was an example that she used, it wasn't, you know, I'm interested in English, but it was something that were, were courses that she was able to take to delve a little deeper into specific areas of interest and that, built upon itself. And so using that as, as a foundation, I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about how term courses and the more um, kind of deeper dive that students can do into those types of courses that are done by term or at the top end of our curriculum and CL courses can help students individualize their program. Let me start with a kind of terminology yes. uh, definitions. And yeah. so Loomis has different course types. We have full year-long core courses like English 1 that is meeting in all the periods of our period block and lasts the entire year, all three of our trimesters. We also have term-length courses that meet with the same frequency but only for one of those seasonal terms, fall, winter, or spring. And then the third course type we have is a half course that meets in half of the periods of a block, so a couple times a week on average, stretched out over the year. And the half course model works great for um, the arts especially, musical ensembles, uh, visual arts classes, um, acting theater classes, um, public speaking, and the like. We also use that half course model uh, for uh, certain courses within uh, language offerings and the sciences and mathematics, uh, where a student who is, for example, in our CL French 6 is at a point where she or he is uh, reading literature and having discussions about it. And so a half-course model of meeting a couple times a week with their teacher in a likely a small class and being able to really get into the weeds of understanding mm-hmm. that literature is so appropriate for a half-course, and then that student is able to build that into their program. What that allows us to do for things like uh, the GESC program is have a variety of offerings that fit with the Uh, the impetus for doing a program like that, which is an accentuation. It's not an additional set of courses. It's making interesting choices within the full program of offerings so the student can accentuate their interest in courses of global content, of environmentalism and related themes, and also some other activities that together allow them to earn this certificate on top of their Loomis Chafee diploma 
And again, it doesn't mean that they're taking more courses. It just allows them to have that, again, accentuation of interests that they have. And being able to choose from term courses that fit with their year's program or a year-long half course that may fit with their program just adds to that sense of versatility of being able to go after this thing that students find so cool. Mm -hmm. And I love hearing about your daughter's story with that. Um, a number of years ago, I worked with the, the prior director of the Alvord Center in creating the certificate program. And what we were most excited about was having those students that look at it as a, a window into something different about their experience mm -hmm. and a way to inspire new ways of looking at the world around them. And to hear that it's working that way reinforces mm -hmm. that aim for sure. Mm -hmm. So knowing that and thinking about just shifting gears a little bit to talk about when you mentioned CL and I think it's important to talk a little bit about the creation of what college level or CL courses are at Loomis and uh, really the creation of those around what happened with, with our AP program. Mm -hmm. And Andrew, I'm wondering if you can address that a little bit in terms of you know why CL, why not AP, um, and the, the flexibility, again, that students can get because we have CL offerings. Absolutely, and, and it's funny to look back now at how difficult that choice was for the school so many years ago and understand and think about it in hindsight and realize it was a no-brainer for mm -hmm. our school. Uh, it was absolutely the right choice for us, and it has been a wonderful uh, change that we've made. It's in the courses that we, we, we've changed to the CL moniker, college level, instead of advanced placement. And what that did is it allowed us to um, be freed in some cases from the uh, AP curriculum and to allow our teachers the ability to be create the content and the course that they thought was best for our students. And almost immediately after making that change, there was a renaissance in some classes. We have courses, I'm thinking of the CL US History course, for instance, mm -hmm. freed of the expectations of going through that, all the facts and the timeline and the test prep that they've been able to do wonderful things in that course. Um, dive deeply, teach kids the habits of minds and skills that they think really makes students historians. Mm -hmm. uh, there are courses that we still offer, and I'm thinking of CL Calculus AB and CL Calculus BC and Physics 2 and Chemistry 2, for instance, that uh, took a hard look at the AP curriculum and came out thinking that it was an excellently designed course, uh, test, and still uh, are pretty close in their following of the AP curriculum. And that's a wonderful choice, right? They, they now have the flexibility to, uh, to depart at times, but it's a choice that they can make uh, and they're not stuck mm -hmm. uh, on that curriculum. Mm -hmm. So we look back at it as a great decision for our, for our school and, and part of it has also been a flourishing of courses that are above mm -hmm. uh, the AP level. Mm -hmm. um, some courses that we had before, mm -hmm and some courses that have grown out of that. And, and Tim, I think we'll talk a little bit more about how we evalu evaluate what college level is, mm -hmm. but just talking about some of our offerings, including CL Linear Algebra, mm -hmm. a new course being proposed by the math department on uh, modeling bio biological phenomenon with differential equations, mm -hmm. you know, astrophysics, for instance, mm -hmm. right? These courses that are, that are very much above the AP level mm -hmm. that are our students are lucky to have access to. Mm -hmm. I agree, there were some great things that came out of this change for Loomis. Uh, in 2016, 
when we made this change, it was after two years of talking with colleges and talking with other schools that had made such a change already, so that we entered this with confidence. And as Andrew said, we very quickly realized how beneficial it was, how freeing it was for us. It solved a problem in certain ways. So as my office uh, controls transcripts. Um, and so one of the things when you have uh, AP offerings, but then you have designated advanced classes that are at or beyond the AP level, could create some confusion mm -hmm. around how to read a transcript, which of course we wouldn't want. Mm -hmm. And it also didn't fairly represent the kind of work that went in for students and teachers in doing and creating and engaging in that content. Uh, when we had a, a student who um, was in um, the CL uh, or the AP uh, Calculus BC in one year, but then the following year had an advanced multivariable calculus, and then the year after that, advanced linear algebra, that don't sound as as uh, comparable to the AP, but certainly were and went a good bit beyond. Mm -hmm. uh, that allowed us to address something that could have been confusing uh, and that provided clarity. More so, though, it allowed us to be looking at uh, what we offer and how we offer it and the ways that our teachers create courses through our department chairs and our curriculum committee that just made more sense. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, Andrew and I both serve on the curriculum committee and, and help to lead discussions every year about new courses that we're going to offer. In fact, that's happening in just over a week uh, where our annual uh, course proposals are brought to the curriculum committee from our department chairs and we discuss them and think about how that's going to move our larger curricular offerings forward. Um, we're not stuck in any particular lens on mm -hmm. how to go about uh, curricular construction and instead have these inspiring discussions and department-led moves to offer something that we haven't done yet or put a different angle on it that our students are clamoring for. And mm -hmm. as a school, um, we only run classes that our students want to take. And sometimes we get a little excited about something that might be a little heady or might be a little too far into the academic range where our students are like, yeah, no, <laughs> in the end, that's not going to fit my interest. That might be that teacher's interest. And so we have this interesting balance of looking at creating sequentially progressive courses that allow students to get deeper and deeper, but also having a great deal of respect for students letting us know what they're excited about taking, and those are the classes that we'll run. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was going to ask a little bit about the creation of classes and curriculum committee and how all of that works. And I think one of the things that it reminds me of is just how innovative our faculty are and how passionate and excited they are about what they do. And Andrew, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about, you mentioned professional development early as one of the things that your office does. Um, we talk a lot about the Kravis Center. Um, you know, just in terms of, from a dean of faculty's perspective, the types of people who you're looking to bring to the school, how it plays out in terms of either, you know, um, course creation or, you know, something that might have happened as a result of somebody getting really excited about something that they've done through professional development or work with another student or, I don't know, anything along those lines, specifically from a faculty uh, lens. Any thoughts about that? Yeah, there's there's so many things yeah. I'd love to say about this. Let me start with, with hiring. Uh, mm -hmm. Actually, we're really intentional about who we bring to Loomis Chafee. 
and we look for four things, right, when we're, when we're hiring teachers. Um, we absolutely are looking for content experts and, and folks that are excellent at their craft of teaching. We're also looking for deep cultural competence and have a deafness with having difficult conversations with our students, mm -hmm. right? Um, we are looking for community builders in, in a lot of variety of ways. Um, but the final one that I think hits on what you mentioned is that we are looking for uh, folks that have the habits of mind we want mm -hmm. with regard to always wanting to get better at what they do, mm -hmm. right? That's something we specifically hire for. And I think we're a, an incredibly dynamic school as a result of it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's you know some of the work that goes on in the curriculum committee and the exciting courses that our, our faculty are bringing forward uh, is, is a direct outgrowth of the kinds of folks that we have here, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. always wanting to innovate and get better at what they do. I'll give one example of just a really interesting uh, way that these things play out. I'll use myself as an example, but we could do, we could do this with a variety of teachers, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, early in my career, I had a, had a young man come to me who had finished the math curriculum and wanted to do an independent study. We absolutely... He's, he was passionate about math, and we absolutely wanted to meet him where he was. So I took him on as an independent study student, uh, doing a, a proof-based linear algebra course that, that really teaches students how to be uh, rigorous mathematical thinkers. And from that, there was the next year, there were five students that wanted to take it. And I, I applied for and got a grant from the school uh, to study with a professor at Hamilton College to build out... Uh, this course, which then became part of our program, mm -hmm. uh, and was you know approved by curriculum committee, and now is a very big part of what we do, um, as an example. But there are other examples like that where sort of student passion. We we as a faculty follow student passion, and that begets some of our curriculum and mm -hmm. some of our most dynamic dynamic curriculum. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of growth uh, across departments, uh, but one example that I'll bring out is looking at what we've done in our science department where uh, students will do the foundational courses in biology and chemistry and often enough physics, but then they want to go to different places with it. And we have these uh, CL suites of second year bio courses where students study microbiology, molecular biology, genetics, cell biology. We have uh, two courses in organic chemistry. Uh, we have the astrophysics class that Andrew mentioned earlier that came because one of our physics teachers got really excited with some students and wanted to create that. And like Andrew described, it started as an ISP, an independent study project, and then turned into a regular course offering with enough students who wanted to go there. But we also have depth not just in the CL offerings. Mm -hmm. There are so-called regular courses that are um, just as exciting for students to be able to do uh, also a study in genetics or in forensic science or in comparative anatomy. We have a suite of environmental studies courses that students really enjoy taking. And there's a lot of room for exploration there too. In fact, one of the courses that we're talking about going into our curriculum committee next week is going to continue to expand the offerings in the sciences. And I think it is that our students meet the requirements and want to exceed them. Mm -hmm. They are... Uh, uh, dangerous enough with the, the basics mm -hmm. that they really want to then wield it mm -hmm. and, and go places with it. Mm -hmm. And we really honor that and want to provide enough landing spots for those students um, to, to take that charge and go with it. Mm -hmm. 
So it's it's impossible not to listen to both of you and just think about how passionate we all are, right, about Loomis and about what we have to offer here, curricularly and otherwise. And I'm wondering if you could just um, throw out a random question here. You know, what makes you excited about about this particular institution, the job you do every day? You do jobs that have some overlap, but also are very very specialized in nature as well, right? Counseling students, um, working directly to support faculty. Um, you know, why, why do you continue to do this work and what do you enjoy about doing this work? I'll, I'll go first because I can be brief. Uh, but it's, it's stuff we've touched on, but it's, it's dynamism. I think we as a school are allergic to complacency. Mm-hmm. I really do. And I think that makes it such a fun place to come to work every day with colleagues that want to get better at what they do. Are, every time they're looking at some uh, some novel situation or something we've done for many years, they're, they're not asking, they're not saying, well, we've done that this way forever, so let's keep doing it. They're saying, how can we do it better? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are saying that as a school, and that's what makes it such a fun place to work. Mm-hmm. I agree, there's no aversion to change, but not for change's sake, rather than deepen what we're doing. And you know, I, my kids have come here and loved it, and I'm proud of that. But every day my job is different. Every day my experience is different. And I love working with kids, so that's a big part of it. But what has kept me here for 25 years is not just that it's an excellent school academically and that it's a beautiful campus and all the trappings of uh, a school like ours. Mm-hmm. It's that there is this community sense here that I really believe is different than other places. Mm-hmm. It's distinctively ours, that there's a warmth, there's a welcoming nature to it that in knowing that my kids would be happy here was a part of recognizing what I've seen in so many other kids and families experiences here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's for me now in my wiring. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I come to to work knowing that there are not a lot of days where it feels like work. It feels like a really great, functional, excellent place uh, that also has what Andrew coined on dynamism that I think makes it different. But what I'll add to in a personal warmth uh, that is, is really ours, it really stands out and it makes students come and want to be pelicans and come and want to be here uh, and set roots. Well said. I completely agree with that. Well said. I completely agree with both of you. And I think that is a great note to end our podcast on today. Um, I just want to say again, thank you so much for taking the time, Tim and Andrew, for uh, joining us today on this episode. I think we gave families a lot of information about the academic program at Loomis, but I also think we gave them some things to think about just as they're thinking about education generally for their children. And, you know, what what one gets out of an academic program at, at a school and, um, and how kind of a little bit about how the sausage gets made, right? You know, that these, these courses don't just happen out of nowhere. Um, teachers don't just spring up, you know, as great teachers, they're, they're, they're made, right? And so what goes into that? And I think that that's extremely helpful for those who are listening. So thank you. And this has been Genuine Admissions. I'm Amy Thompson. Thank you for listening.